Amen. God bless you this morning. Glad that you are here. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Well, this morning we have a special treat for you. We don't just have one preacher, we have four preachers. Some of you are saying, I'm not so sure that's a special treat because that means for a long morning. But we asked them to be within seven and eight minutes. I've asked the pastoral staff, that's Pastor Lisa, Pastor Mike, and Pastor Maureen, to just share on one theme in preparation for our time of prayer and fasting. We believe prayer and fasting is strategic. We believe it's biblical. We believe it's God-ordained. And we take it very seriously here at Victory Church. We want to encourage you through the word of God to have that hope and that expectation of what God will do. Can you say amen? I just want to say I appreciate our staff. You know, there's a saying that familiarity breeds, familiarity breeds, come on, help me out this morning. Familiarity breeds contempt. And what that basically means is that we could kind of take people for granted when they're around a long while and uh, they've been faithful. But, you know, in a culture that highlights uh, uh, instant fame or five minutes of fame or being someone you know who's on reality TV or uh, who has a lot of followers on social media uh, but you know what God's really concerned with long-term faithfulness he's concerned with people being faithful so I don't want you to ever take for granted uh, the staff that we have here real deal people say amen even if you don't you don't realize that or if you've taken it for granted amen so let's get started. I'm going to introduce it, and then uh, Pastor um, Mike is going to come, and then uh, Pastor Maureen, Pastor Mike, and Pastor Lisa, and they're going to just flow with this, uh, um, this particular passage, 2 Second, Second Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles 20, if you don't know where it is, it's right after 1 Chronicles. I know that'll help you out a lot. Um, when, when, when the children used to be in, uh, well, nursery and children's church, they had what, what we call Bible drills. And uh, I think we need to bring that back. We've become too, too complacent and too reliant upon uh, cell phones. And, uh, but it's good to know where, uh, where the Word of God or where the Scriptures are in the Word of God. Amen? Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, we want to talk to you about this morning about uh, encountering God, encountering God. Now, we know the power of prayer, amen? We know prayer is necessary. And you know what? I have found in our world, come on, in reality, whether it's on TV, whether it's in politics, whether it's in sports, wherever it is, when the chips are down, people want to pray. When there's a need... We've seen that in our nation. When there's been a crisis, there'll be a call. Let's pray. When there's a, when there's a tragedy, let's pray. And, you know, something happened this last Monday night that if you were watching a football game, it was very shocking to see a football player. But it was how it happened. He was hit in his chest and he went into cardiac arrest. And I saw this and it was very shocking. And this, this football player got hit and then he just, he just went lifeless, fell down. We find out later that he went into cardiac arrest. They needed to minister CPR to him. They needed to try to re resuscitate him because his heart stopped beating. And one of the things, I'm, I'm watching the game, all of the, the, the sportscasters, very experienced, very knowledgeable, all of the analysts, they were speechless. Because at that point, all that really mattered was life and death. The football game didn't matter. 
Nothing else mattered. What the, what the sportscasters had to say, their analysis, their, their words didn't matter. And you know, you know, we heard everybody was saying, let's pray. Let's pray. We heard from the football organization itself, the, the great big money-making machine of the NFL, let's pray. The F Buffalo Bills team owner said, let's pray. And you know what blessed me? And I believe God brings good out of tragedy. And, and we're glad that, that this football player is recovering. But you know what blessed me was one of the sports analysts who was a Christian, who was a man of God, he said, let's stop talking about prayer. Let's do it. Could you just show us that clip, just a minute clip? Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you, and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 But we are, we are not people who just pray in crisis. We pray regularly. We have a relationship with God Almighty, and we can go to him with any need. And, and, and I want to just encourage you today. In, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I want to read uh, several verses of Scripture. Uh, first verse, it says, And it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the king. He was a godly king. He was leading the nation of Israel, the people of God. And the Bible says that people came to him and said, there's a great multitude coming against you. And in verse 3, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Here at Victory Church, our pastors, our leaders, we're setting aside five days with prayer and fasting and worship every night to seek the Lord. Now, this passage of scripture, there is a, there is a crisis here, and there was, there's a great need. And, and I believe many of you in your, your life, you're facing one crisis or another, one challenge or another, and, and it's during these times that we need to turn to God. But, you know, as, as a side note here, 
at Victory Church, there are no major crises in the church. There are no major problems. Um, but, but our leadership, uh, as your pastor, I want to lead you to seek God with a greater uh, fervency and a greater passion because we want to see God work in greater ways. We want to see God be glorified. We want to see his gospel be preached. We want to see the word of God go throughout this nation, around the world, through our missions, through our ministries, through everything we do. We want to make an impact for the glory of God. So we believe that fasting is a powerful weapon, a powerful tool that God has given us. Fasting basically is to renounce the natural to invoke the supernatural. You see, eating is the most natural thing for us to do. We all enjoy the holidays mainly because of the food. Hello, don't look at me like that. I can tell you put on a couple of pounds. We all have. Praise the Lord. And we're going to take them off in Jesus' name. <laughs> you see, when we give up eating, we are deliberately turning away from the natural to turn to God and the supernatural. Fasting, it was seen throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. This whole Bible, the people of God understood the need to, the value of, and the power of prayer and fasting. Throughout church history, throughout our history, I think we could all testify and declare how fasting and prayer has impacted our life and been a great blessing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5 say, Though we walk in this world, we do not wage war according to this world. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying that God has given us strategic spiritual weapons that we can use to be able to fight in the spiritual battle that we're in. You see, many times we think our neighbor is the enemy. We think our friend is the enemy. Our spouse could be the enemy. Someone in the church is our enemy. The system is our enemy. No, the devil is our enemy. And God has given us spiritual weapons. You cannot fight this battle in the natural. You cannot fight it with your wits, with your knowledge, with your ability. It's got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. The weapons that God has given us are powerful. We can pull down strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a foothold that is good. The Satan has entered into our life to establish a stronghold. It's a powerful vantage point by which the enemy gains control over us. But the word of God says that we can pull down strongholds. We can cast them down. Are there things in your life? Are there areas in your life that you're being overwhelmed by? being overcome by, being defeated by. Prayer and fasting is a powerful weapon to begin to wear away at the devil's strongholds. Can you say amen? amen. So here we have in this context, we have King Jehoshaphat, and he's facing a problem. He's facing a problem. Anybody facing a problem this morning? Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're either uh, coming out of a problem uh, or, or you're going into one, so just be ready. The Bible says a great multitude was coming against him. The enemy was attacking on every side. It was a, a powerful, formidable invasion of the Moabites and the Ammonites. And the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat feared. Now, it's interesting uh, to look at this. Um, here he is. He's the king, 
and um, um, he's so overwhelmed by the circumstances. And I want you to understand something that, um, you know, in the Bible, we'll read that there are always overwhelming circumstances that the people of God face. One of the greatest challenges of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, the greatest challenge that they faced was their wives were barren. And why was this an issue? Because they were the patriarchs. They were the, the lineage of, by which the Messiah would come through. And all the covenant promises, all of the blessings of God were bound up in the descendants of Abraham. In the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, I have blessed you that you might be a blessing and that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And what God was saying to Abraham was that the Messiah would come through your lineage, through your descendants. And God made a covenant, but, but we find that Abraham's wife was barren. Genesis 11.30 tells us of the barrenness of Sarah. Isaac's wife was barren. Rebecca, Genesis 25.21 tells us. And then Jacob's wife, Rachel, was also barren in Genesis 29.31. What were these? These were impossible situations in the scriptures. And the purpose or the reason why God will allow impossible situations is to show you, to show me, to show everyone that it's all of God and not of us. That God is a God of the impossible. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had to find that out. With impossible situations, they had to trust and believe God that God would show up and he would show that he is God and that we are not. Amen. You might think that's elementary, but I have found a lot of people, even Christians, could be very proud and think that they've got a handle on things and they can do everything. But let me tell you, God, if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. We have to understand this morning that every solution masquerades as a problem. Every miracle masquerades as an impossibility. Every provision of God masquerades as a problem. Here is King Jehoshaphat, the most powerful leader in the kingdom. He is the leader. He came to that position by the sovereign decree of God, anointed by God and supported by the people. But as great as he was... He was respected and even honored by prophets. We see Elisha showing respect to him in 2 Kings chapter 3. But the Bible says he feared. Wow. How many of you know fear is a human emotion? How many of you know there are healthy fears? It's a healthy fear to fear playing tra in traffic. It's a healthy fear to fear playing on 95 or 195 in rush hour. But I found that there are many fears. There's, the fear, there's a fear called claustrophobia, fear of tight spaces, social phobia, fear of rejection or judgment. My wife has this one. Arachnophobia. Fear of spiders. Anytime I could be anywhere in my house, and when I hear my wife scream and yell, I don't even flinch. Because I know she wants me to come and kill a spider. And then there's uh, acrophobia. 
fear of heights. Agoraphobia, fear of open or crowded spaces. But it's interesting to find out one of the number one fears, 75% of people fear public speaking. So that's interesting. So at a funeral, people would rather be in the coffin than given the eulogy. They fear public speaking. I think you need to listen to this sermon all over again just to get that one. But here is Jehoshaphat. The Bible says he feared. What's important to understand is that you and I will encounter and face fears. But here is a lesson we need to learn. The Bible says Jehoshaphat feared But it doesn't end there. There's no period. There's no exclamation point. There is a comma. Because the Bible says, and then he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself to proclaim a fast throughout the land. You see, we could have fears, but we can't let fear control us or affect our decisions or affect our moods or affect our outlooks. We all fear. I fear. People are surprised. People have asked me, Pastor, when did you get over your fear of public speaking or speaking in front of people? I said, I'll let you know when I do. I still have a measure of fear. Maybe not as much as when I first started, but you know what I tell people? It's good to have that fear because then you get into the pulpit and you don't trust in yourself, but you have to trust in God. You have to rely. You see, when we don't fear anything anymore, then we are proud and we're arrogant and we don't need to look to God anymore. And that is a very dangerous place to be. So how did Jehoshaphat deal with this problem? He made a proclamation. In verse 3, the Bible says he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. You see, Judah gathered, the people of God gathered together to ask help from the Lord. The Bible says from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Verse 13 says now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. You see they all came together. What we're doing here at Victory Church, we're not the only church. There are literally thousands of churches around the world. I was talking to a friend in in New York yesterday and his church is doing a fast and, and, and multitudes of ministries and churches, they start the year with prayer and fasting and praise God because that's a good thing. Amen. And so what we're doing here, we are, we are proclaiming a fast. We're calling people to come together to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat, you see, his greatest concern was that he would obtain the favor of God. He said and he proclaimed the fast because he knew that he needed God's favor. So the king led the people, the nation, in a prayer, a time of of fasting and seeking the Lord. You see, Jehoshaphat, he had a fear, but you know what the Bible says? He looked away from the fear. And in verse 12, he said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This morning, I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, don't focus on your fear. Don't focus on your problem. The more you do, the bigger it'll get. Begin to put and turn your eyes upon the Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Here at Victory Church, we're proclaiming a time of prayer and fasting. 
Why? Because we want to lead you in a biblical way, to seek God, to pour out your heart to God for his blessing upon our church, our ministries, the, our families, whatever, whatever, whatever part of Victory Church needs God's blessing, our community, our state, our nation, every, every part we want to see God bless. We want to touch the nations of the world through our church, through our giving, through our going, and through our praying. You see, we are here, and just like Jehoshaphat, it was really a spiritual battle. Although there were natural enemies, he understood that behind the scenes there was a spiritual battle going on. And he knew as a man of God, he needed the supernatural resources of God. So we see the problem, the proclamation, and now... We're going to look into the prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank God he turned to God on this, right, for prayer and fasting. I want to read uh, the verses of the prayer here, and it's in verses 5 to 13 in Second Chronicles. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assemblies of Judah, and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of, the an of our ancestors, are you not God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might is in your hands, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes, we will stand in your presence before this temple that, he, that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are the men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you will not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away and did not uh, destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast enemy that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now all Judah with their little children, little ones, their wives and children stood before the Lord. So here we see, as Pastor said, the vast army ready to attack Jehoshaphat. And Judah, But instead of turning to fear and danger before him, he does turn to God, not only in fasting, but also in praying. He didn't seek counsel from his military advisors. He didn't try to figure things out himself. No, he sought God. And then he summoned the whole nation, which was very uh, different in those days. Usually if they're going to summon the people, it's going to be for war. But no, this was for prayer and fasting. And as Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat began to pray, he recalled God's divine nature. He started calling on the creator of the universe. We were singing how God is mighty, how he is our defender, our healer, our deliverer. And he just remembered all those things, declared all those things of who God was. Verses 7 to 9, it says, Jehoshaphat also reminded God of his promises how we drove out the inhabitants of the land and gave it to them as an inheritance. And if any calamity was about to happen, they would run to the temple and stand before him and pray, and they believed God would save them. But in verses 10 and 11, 
Jehoshaphat starts pleading for justice against the enemy. Because when the Israelites came out of the promised land, entered the promised land after wandering for 40 years, God told them not to invade, not to destroy the Ammonites and the Moab and Seir. And they left them in peace. So now Jehoshaphat is saying, God, why are you allowing them to attack us when we didn't even conquer them, when we had a chance to take it away? And now they want to conquer us and take away the promise that you gave us, that this will be our possession. So in verse 12, then Jehoshaphat openly admits he, his fear. Although he is king and expected to have the solution and the answers, no, he confesses that he didn't know what to do. And sometimes that's what we need to do, just saying, God, I don't know what to do. He knows that God and only God at this time was able to deliver him. So all of Judah looked to God and put their faith and trust in him for the victory. And I just want to share a few uh, models, uh, a model of Jehoshaphat's prayer, a few steps that we can use as we seek the Lord this week in our prayer and fasting for whatever situation, whatever circumstances, whatever you have need of. See, Jehoshaphat was completely overwhelmed. He feared, and like Pastor just said, we fear at times when things happen in our lives and we don't know where to turn, what to do. But how many times do we try to do things in our own strength or we go looking for other answers from other people and sometimes we don't run to God right away and but now like Jehoshaphat number one he sought the Lord he turned to God because God is our very present help in time of need whatever you're going to be praying about whatever you bring him before the Lord or when you have a crisis it doesn't have to be a crisis it's just in prayer but whenever you need to hear from God Humble yourself before the Lord and turn to him. Number two, acknowledge who God is. Tell him of his mighty power, his sovereignty, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness, how he answered prayers in the past, how he delivered you out of other situations or he saw you through difficult times. Number three, recall God's promises. Declare God's word back to him. Declare the victories that you have heard that he has done in your life in the past. And once again, how he's answered prayers. And number four, tell God the problem, the situation crisis. Cry out to God. It may be a loss of a loved one. It may be marriage problems. It could be a bad report from the doctor. It could be one of your child are wayward on drugs, alcohol. Could be a job situation, or maybe a change of career, maybe it's finances, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. But let God know what it is. He already knows, anyways. But he, just cry out to Him. Admit you are powerless. That's a tough one sometimes. You know, we are prideful sometimes and don't want to admit that we need God's help. And then put your faith in Him, turn your eyes on Him. Have you ever had a situation where you just didn't know what to do? You didn't know how to pray? You know, we got to cry out to God in that time and ask God to intervene and thank God that he is able to do the impossible. I remember times when I just couldn't pray. I didn't know how to pray for a situation. And I sat there and I just cried and sometimes just say, God, help. And many times just sit there and pray in tongues 
you know? I mean, that tongues is a powerful weapon we have. When we don't know how to pray or what to do, pray in tongues. When you have an overwhelming situation and you don't know where to turn, you turn into God, but you don't know how to, you know, voice it to him. Cry out to God. Pray in tongues. Just he knows our heart, right? And lastly, wait on him. Listen for God's voice. It says in verse 13, how all of Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children, they stood before the Lord. They waited on the Lord. And it's probably the hardest thing that we have to do is wait on the Lord for answers. But God is always faithful. He does always pull through. And this week, as we pray and fast, use this uh, prayer. Go back to it. Read it. And just see how God can use that to help you pray effectively. And let's believe God for the victories. Let's believe God that he's going to answer the prayers. Come you know, believing, it was just like we say, you have to believe when you pray. You just can't say the words. You have to believe that God's able to do it, right? So this week, we're going to believe for mighty things as we pray and fast and thank God that he is going to answer. Amen. God bless. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm going to speak this morning on the prophetic. I was talking to a pastor friend who moves a lot in the prophetic, and they said to me that they believe that the church is moving into a season where we are going to see a rise in the prophetic and what God is going to be doing. Amen. The Greek word for the gift of prophecy is prophetia, and what it is, it's the ability to receive a divinely inspired message and deliver it to others in the church. These messages can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, comfort, inspiration, and other revelations given to equip and edify the body of Christ. Again, they do not constitute the authoritative word of God, but are the human interpretation of the revelation that was received. They are spoken in human words through a human mind, which is why they must be tested against the scriptures. There's a difference in the prophetic in the Old Testament because these people would say, thus saith the Lord. And that's what we see in the scripture. As Jehoshaphat and the nation is praying and seeking God, it says that as they were waiting, then the spirit of the Lord came on someone and they said, "This thus saith the Lord. And so it's recorded in scripture. Nowadays, the prophetic is a gift that God gives to us, but sometimes we can mix in our flesh. And so we have to learn how to test the prophets. Amen? To test the things that are spoken over our lives and always measure them up to scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 20 Starting in verse 14, Bill, if you could just put that up. Just we're going to read through it quickly. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon, came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And then verse 15, And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah, and you of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, king of Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. This is so important for the, the nation of Israel because there are some times where God will fight our battles and do everything, and we just have to participate. We just have to show up. 
The nation of Israel, when they were led out of Egypt, they did not have to fight the first battle when all the chariots of Egypt came against them. I love the scripture where it says they turned and they saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians on the seashore. They did not have to fight that battle. God wiped them out. But we have another time where the nation of Israel was getting attacked by the Amalekites. And it says that they would attack them from the rear. They would go out after the old women, the children. And it says that it would, they would wear them down. And now we have this battle where Joshua is in the valley and Moses is on the mountain holding his staff up. This was new. This was the time where Israel had to pick up their weapons and participate in the battle. There will be times in our lives, in our spiritual lives, where God will fight our battles and we can look and see the dead Egyptians on the shore. But there are times in our lives where we have to participate. We have to rise up. We have to pray. We have to fast. We have to see God. And he's looking for us to participate in the battle. Amen. We need to learn how to test prophecies, but we have to seek them out as well. First Thessalonians 5.20 says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. You know, one of my biggest struggles when I went to Bible college is I grew up in a non-denominational church for 30 years of my life. And when I came to Bible school, one of the biggest things that was pushed was tongues, tongues, tongues. Everyone was speaking spiritual language, but every meeting I went in, there was a push for it. I mean, there were times where I would come down and I had, I'd have people gathering around me with their faces this close, hollering, spitting, and yelling for me to receive my prayer language. And I would stand there and I would think, there's something wrong with me because I'm not receiving it. I'm not saying we don't need to pray with fervency, but there was something in me that I felt I was less than because I was not receiving it at that time. What the amazing thing is, is God gave me my prayer language in the basement of the men's dorm with two or three people gathered around as we were praying and seeking God. But I believe that sometimes we can find our identity more in being Pentecostal than being a follower of Jesus Christ. But there are other gifts that God has given to the church. The prophetic is something that keeps us on the rails. When you want to quit, when you feel like God has left you, there can be a prophetic word spoken over your life that changes the trajectory of your life. We have to begin seeking the prophetic. We have to begin seeking God to speak a word in season in our lives, whether it be for encouragement, whether it be for um, correction and adjustment. We need the prophetic voice being spoken in our lives. Amen. You know, I used to love, I grew up playing video games. Any video game leaders out there? You know, we used to play these fighting games, and I always hated it. I had a cousin who was a button masher. Anyone in here know what that means? It means you didn't know how to hit the buttons. You would just mash them and try and win. And I would hate that because I would always lose to him. He had no idea what he was doing, but he was just hitting random buttons all the time. And I believe in the spiritual, we have to hone in on all the gifts that God has given to the church. We can't be button mashers. We can't use one more dominant than the other. We have to ask the Holy Spirit. He has given us a body of people. There's people in here who have different gifts. And it's to edify and it's to build up the church. And we are moving into a season of the church where I believe the prophetic is going to change the trajectory of what we're seeing in our world and what we're seeing in our culture. Amen? It was this one man who stood and waited to hear what God was was going to say and he gave them a word over the nation and it encouraged them and we need that encouragement in our lives amen we need the voice of the prophetic in our lives there was a time where I was going to a prayer chapel um, on our campus and I remember the day I walked in and and it was so loud and, and get don't get me wrong there are times when we need to be praying loud there are times when we need to be but it was so loud I couldn't even hear myself think 
And I remember I left. I walked out of the prayer chapel and went to my room, and I processed on the way back to my dorm. I said, God, I can't even hear you speaking if you're speaking. And I believe, how do we bring back the prophetic into our world right now? We have to be led by the Spirit. We have to allow ourselves to be quiet and listen and wait to hear the voice of the Lord. Because if we're dominating in one gift, sometimes we can be praying in tongues for so long, God's just waiting for us to finish so that he can speak to us. We have to learn to be led by the Spirit. And it's in the quietness that God can give the prophetic voice. The nation had already prayed. They had already had the proclamation. There was already the problem. But it says that everyone stood. They waited. And it says, in the waiting, in the waiting, the Spirit of the Lord came in verse 14. In the waiting, the Spirit of the Lord came. The prophetic came because the people were quiet. They were waiting and they were listening. Amen? This is the season of the prophetic, and those who are listening will hear from God. I appreciate the guest speakers that Pastor brings in. And we recently had uh, Brother Andre. He came, and, and he, one of his giftings is the prophetic. And I remember I was going through a time spiritually, and we had a staff lunch with him. So Pastor asked if I could go pick him up from his hotel. And so we went and had lunch, and we were driving back. And this is how the prophetic works. When God speaks a word to you, you remember everything. You remember where you were. You remember every detail of that word. And we were driving by the back end of the airport after we had done it. I'm bringing him back to his hotel. And he turned and he just began to speak things over me. And he said some things that changed the, the trajectory of my life, of my where my mind was. I needed to hear that word. God knew it and he aligned everything up in that moment to hear it. And that's what the prophetic does. When we are waiting, when we are listening, when we are expecting, God will speak a word that will change the trajectory of our lives. Last Sunday I was in the um, sound booth with Rob and it's funny, as a, as, as a church service was starting, I looked at the clock and the clock was off. It was a few seconds behind, and, and you know, as a church, we start at 10 o'clock, and we have a live stream, and everything flows and works together, but because that was off, everything else was off. The worship leaders were looking at the clock, but my iPhone said a different time, and I put a note on my thing, I need to change that battery this week, otherwise we're going to have that same issue this Sunday. And so Friday, I'm getting on this, the, the ladder, and I'm going up to change the battery, and the Spirit of the Lord came on me right away and began saying that this in this season, it's so important that we need Need to be on the same page as our Heavenly Father in this new season. He spoke it so clearly. In John 5, 19, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. How do we operate in the prophetic? We are on God's timetable. He needs to adjust our time clocks. We need to allow him to adjust our time clocks. Now that that's adjusted, everything can flow. Everything can sync together. We have to pray this week, God, adjust my time clock to what you want to do so that we're not going by our feelings. We're going by what God wants to do because he is sovereign. Amen. I want to close with this. Um, I found something as Tara and I were doing some uh, cleanup recently. I found something that I don't know why I kept it. But I used to work at um, Smith & Wesson, which is a gun company that's known globally. And I was an armed guard. And when you're an armed guard, this is something that you get. It's your badge. This gets you into everything on that campus. It gets you in the entrance. It gets you into every, they had thousands of doors on that, um, on that campus. And as an armed guard, we had the highest form of authority, even over the CEO, because it was our job to protect everyone 
on that campus. And so when you go through your training, you get a badge and this little orange card, when you go to every door and you scan it, it opens up. Not only that, they equip you with things. They give you a gun on your side. And I remember I was talking with one of my friends who was a guard, and I said, why do we have 45s when 9 millimeters? That's the ammo's cheaper. He goes, well, let me put it to you this way. If a guy your size comes at you, do you want to put three bullets in him or one to stop him? And I was like, wow, there's more power in the 45. And so they equip the people who are guarding that area. But it's not just that, there's more. On the back of this badge are numbers that you can call of any person who's a department head in that building if you need something. There was a moment on my shift where I had an issue with a guy who was, something was happening in his mind and I had to put my hand on the gun and I had to radio in. And, and sometimes when you get flustered, there's numbers so I knew who to call. And so I had to radio over, they had to bring help over and the situation was de-escalated. This is what the authority of God does. When he speaks a word in season, we have authority over what the devil wants to do. No matter what happens, when it happens, God has given us a badge of access into his presence, and we have authority to push against the enemy. He's given us weapons. He's given us weapons of warfare. We can fight back no matter what the enemy does. Amen? And as I close, I want to have every teenager that is in this room, I want them to stand right now. Every teenager from 6th grade to 12th grade, I want you to stand right now, and I want you guys to look across this sanctuary. God gave a vision for our youth ministry for 2023, and it's, it's countering to bring encounter. The word countering means a return blow. What the enemy did in our schools across our district during this pandemic, the enemy has, has he, he hit a blow in this generation. But God has spoken a word over our youth group and to our leaders that we are going to have a return blow to what the enemy has done. And it's going to come by encountering the presence of God. God is moving in the youth group. You should see these kids beginning to seek God. And I believe that God is going to begin to shift and change the atmospheres in the schools because God has spoken and it will come to pass. Amen. You guys can sit down. We want to keep praying. And this week, seek God. We need to pray and stir up the gift of tongues and speaking. But we need to have times where we're sitting before the Lord waiting to hear what he wants to say. Because he has a strategy. Just like he gave Jehoshaphat, he knew exactly what the enemy was going to do. And because they were quiet and listening, they could hear. Amen. And that brings the praise. Good morning. We are, we are thankful for the opportunity to just share some of our thoughts with you on these scriptures because we are a church that believes in prayer and fasting and praise and worship. So my husband gave me these scriptures on worship, and if you know me, you know that that's one of the, my, my most favorite things to minister on. Um, Women of Judah is based on worship and praise, finding the freedom to worship in the midst of the battle. And so this morning, I'm going to read some scriptures to you out of the same chapter, chapter 20, starting in verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face touching the ground. Everyone from Judah and the people who lived in Jerusalem immediately bowed down in front of the Lord. The Levites, descendants of Kohath and Korah, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with very loud songs. They got up early in the morning and went to the desert of Tekoa. As they were leaving, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem. Trust the Lord your God and believe. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. After he had advised the people, he appointed people to sing to the Lord and praise him for the beauty of his holiness. 
As they went in front of the troops, they sang, Thank the Lord because his mercy endures forever. As they started to sing praises, I love this. I just love this. As they started to sing praises, the Lord set ambushes against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the people of Mount Seir who had come into Judah. They were defeated. They were defeated. They were defeated. Then the Ammonites and Moabites attacked the people from Mount Seir and annihilated them. After they had finished off the people of Seir, they helped destroy one another. What God did in answering their praise and worship and prayer was cause their enemies to wipe each other out. And, I, and we believe that when we praise and worship the Lord, that is exactly what God is doing in our lives to the enemy that is coming against us. So let's look at one thing, the posture of worship. In verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judea and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. I, I am so glad that we have examples in the word of God that we can look at and see his example of bowing down with his face to the ground. So we have those examples from the word, but I'm, I'm so glad that we have examples in our lives and in this church. And oftentimes you will hear the leaders on the platform, Pastor Richard, calling people forward, calling people to worship, saying, let's open our mouths and worship the Lord. And he's not doing that just because it's something that he should do on Sunday morning. We are encouraging you to open up your mouth and worship and praise because we know it works. We are in our 12th year. Tara and I are getting ready for Women of Judah numbered year 12. It's because we know that praise and worship works. So Jehoshaphat gave that example. He bowed down and he worshiped. That's one position that we can go in, being on our knees before the Lord. It's a, it's a place of worship and prayer and praise. It's reverent. There is so much disrespect and irreverence in the world today. So much irreverence against God. And for us to just bow in the presence of the Lord, just really get on your knees, on your face before the Lord to worship him is showing reverence. Listen, we are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords that one day when he comes back to take us home, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So we need to be in that place of reverence before the Lord even now. To praise means to talk about and sing about the goodness and graciousness of God in our lives. We praise him for what he's done, but we praise him for what he will do. That's what the people were doing here. They were worshiping God before the battle was even won. As a matter of fact, before the battle even started, they were afraid. But back in verse, I think, 3, I love how it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, so he decided. I am not saying that to get in a place of prayer and worship and praise is easy, that it just happens. You make a decision. When you got up this morning, you made a decision what to wear. You made a decision to come to church. If you're home, you didn't make that decision. Make it next Sunday and come join us. But we make decisions every day, and we make decisions. Look at right in the middle of his fear, he made a decision. Because he was a man that already knew how to live for God and worship God. As we've heard before, not just in time of crisis. So when the time of crisis came, it was natural for him to do this. 
So we praise before the battle and then we praise after. And in the middle of a battle that we might be going through now, thank God for what he brought you through already as a reminder. Because our war is not with people, it's with Satan and he is the enemy of our souls. Then in verse 19, it says some Levites of the Kohalites, of the Kohites and Korhites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So again, they are worshiping, they are reverent before the Lord, and then there is a time of praise to get on your feet. We had a prophetic word in this church last week, and the prophetic word went out into this sanctuary, and this is in essence what it said. If you want to receive from God, you need to stand up. Now at that moment, this young woman was referring to the place, the position of our bodies because many people were sitting. God was moving up here and many people were sitting and the Lord was telling you. In other words, if you want something from me, come and get it. We can't just sit back. And I spoke with this young woman after the service and I said, I feel in my spirit that also God was saying, Get up and get your stand-up back. Spiritually speaking, we get tired. We get worn. We get tired of praying sometimes. We really do, praying the same things and not seeing the change, and we begin to get worn out. And I felt like the Lord was also saying, get up and get your stand-up back. So there are times to stand up and praise the Lord and worship him with a very loud voice. This is what, God, this is what we are told here, with a very loud voice. The next one, remain, believe, and remain steadfast. It's important that we remain steadfast in the day and age we live in. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, it's such a hard time to raise children, and what are our kids going to do, and it's, it's such a difficult time. Listen, remain steadfast in God. That's what you do. Some Christians are speaking fear. What are we going to do? Look at the state of the world. These poor people that are raising children. Let me tell you a secret. If God has given you children in this day and age, then there is a purpose for their life for such a time as this. And it's time that we stop whining about the time that they're being born in and that we thank God that, God, you're going to use my children in this moment for such a time of this. I firmly believe that. So remain steadfast. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat said, stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe and remain steadfast to his prophets. Pastor Mike just alluded to the prophetic. When God speaks a word to you, I don't care if it's 25 years later, you hold on to that word because it was a word from God and you know it was powerful in your life at that time. So don't get weary. Wait, wait, wait on the Lord. I was with a group of women yesterday from all around the state, out of state, colleagues in ministry, and we were talking about this. We've got to realize, I don't care how old you are in this sanctuary. I don't care how old you are working, uh, uh, watching from live stream. God has something for you to do. God has a plan for your life up until you take your very last breath. He has a plan, but you've got to remain steadfast. Number four, sing praises. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers to sing to the Lord and praise him in their holy garments as they went out before the army, in front of the army, saying, 
give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Brothers, sisters, I want to encourage you today in this word, in this scripture, go home and read this chapter again and again and again, specifically this week during the fast. Get this in your spirit, what God is speaking. I want to read it again, part of it. He appointed singers to sing to the Lord, not to gripe to each other. Sing to the Lord. And he appointed them to go out before the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord, not yourself, not your buddy, not your friend. See, we're looking to God and we're giving thanks to the God. And we are prophesying, prophetically speaking, his love and his mercy and his loving kindness endure forever. And lastly, very quickly, release and deliverance through worship. I can tell you, my husband and I have many, many examples in our lives when we have made the decision to praise and worship the Lord and to continue to pray and seek God for answers. And he gives us deliverance through that time of prayer and worship. Even if you don't experience it right away, God is already causing that deliverance to be coming your way. So we encourage you this week, come out and pray. We are praying for you. Many of you, we know your needs. You've come to us, and we are praying for you. And we know that God is going to do great things this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you all stand together with me? I'm going to ask the worship team if they would just come back and as we conclude and uh, end in a time of prayer. Uh, we have alliterated this, um, this passage of scripture, the, the points that we drew out of it. As you can see, you know, when you study the Bible, you can, you can draw out of the scriptures truth and, and revelation and understanding. And so we had the problem, the proclamation, the prayer, the prophetic, the praise, and the last thought as we conclude is the provision. Yes. Right. The provision. Yep. We see, and I'm not going to read all the passages, but the Bible tells us that as the enemy was defeated, they were able to go into the camp, and the Bible says they were three days, they were gathering all of the spoils, all of the provision that God had made for them. Last week's message was on discerning the seasons. And understanding that we're all in different seasons and, and God is faithful that if we uh, remain steadfast that the Bible tells us we'll reap if we faint not. And prayer and fasting is a season of sowing. It's a season of sowing. You might not necessarily reap the next day or the next week, but I do believe and I do firmly, uh, I'm confident in the fact that I look back over a year and I see the fruit of a fast maybe three months, six months, nine months ago. So there are provisions. God wants to bless you. God wants to provide for you. But there's a protocol. There's a procedure. You might be in a place of a problem, but now we made a proclamation. We're going to pray. We're going we're to hear God's voice. We're going to praise and we're going to see God reward us. I firmly believe that I would not be doing it as much as I enjoy the health benefits of fasting and losing some weight and, 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 and detoxing my, my physical body. I don't have that willpower to do it, but I do it by the grace of God because I know the spiritual, the spiritual fruit, the spiritual benefit. So I want us to pray today. 
I want us to get an expectation and let our faith rise up and let our hope rise up. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want you to be faith. I want you to be hopeful. I want you to expect what God can do. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray that there are ears to hear. We have ears to hear. God, spiritual ears to receive what you're speaking. God, to believe the word of God. Lord, as we believe, God, you will work. As, as we believe, things will begin to happen. So, Father, today I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would bless the word to the hearts, bless the hearts to the word, and may our lives, may our church, may our community, may our world be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I firmly believe, God, you're not looking for superstars. God, you're not looking for extraordinary people. You're just looking for ordinary people that you could add an extra before them. That we can become extraordinary because of you, God. Lord, we've seen even in our culture, even in churches, the scandals. God, and the reproach that has come against the gospel. But God, you're bigger than all of that. God, you're still calling individual, everyday people, Christians, just to love you and to serve you no matter what goes on. No matter what other people do, God, we will be faithful to you, God. God, you will give us the grace, God. We thank you for that. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Can we just close with one song, singing that song that we sung earlier, Jesus at the center of it all. We want to be a church. We want to be a people where Jesus truly is the center. Amen. Let's, let's sing this through and then we'll be dismissed. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center.